Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of February 2010, entitled The Twelve Commandments, and the Bible reading is Psalm 96. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson. It was interesting last night. Um, I checked the news on Fox on the computer and uh, saw the news about the earthquake. And uh, But the other headline that caught my eye is that early predictions were uh, a 9 to 12 foot tsunami in Honolulu. And uh, the wife and I, uh, well, I wilted there. And uh, a number of years ago, and that's where we met. And uh, they had a click on on uh, KHON, the Honolulu station. And so for a while last night, I was sitting there watching live streaming, whatever you call it, from Honolulu, trying to see if the surf was going to rise. And because uh, I got a very dear brother that's out in Vanuatu, and he. He built his house right next to the beach. And uh, if that thing was going to hit Hano at 9 to 12 feet out in Vanuatu, he figured he'd probably be get, get a fresh bath while he's sleeping. And so uh, and he, the only way he found out about it was I emailed him and asked him if the surf was up yet. And uh, he said, no, it's not. What's happening? I said, well, there was an earthquake in Chile, and they said the surf's up. And uh, so by the time that... Uh, it made it to Honolulu. Uh, it didn't even make three feet, so praise the Lord for that. Would you stand with me, please, as we look to God's Word? Psalm chapter 96. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name, show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Father, we ask that you would take our time and your word tonight and get honor and praise and glory unto yourself. Which in your name we do pray and to thank thee. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant of Israel had been captured by the Philistines. We read in 1 Samuel chapters 4 to 7 that it had been captured because the evil sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, removed it from its biblical position and took it out of the Holy of Holies and the tabernacle at that time in Shiloh. And they took it into the camp of the Israeli army before the, a battle with the Philistines. Well, Israel lost the battle. Hophni and Phinehas moved on to questionable reward. The ark was captured, and for seven months it made the circuit of the pagan temples of the Philistines alongside their chief idols. Dagon got the point and got rather broken up over it. 
when the ark went to Ashdod, and the people of Ashdod, the men of Ashdod, kind of got the point as well when they were sort of smitten. And so they moved it on to Gath, and uh, they got the point. And it then moved on to Ekron, and uh, they were smitten of God. And for seven months, the ark was in the land of the Philistines, not where he belonged, but in the pagan temples of the Philistines. And they finally got the point. And they decided that it would be better for them if they gave the ark back to God and gave it back to Israel. And so the five lords of the Philistines brought the ark with a trespass offering from, uh, from Ashdod and from Gaza and Ashkelon and Gath and Ekron. They brought it to Bessemus. The Levites there had a great offering unto the Lord. But yet in Bessemus, the Lord had to smite 50,070 of the Bessemites because they too violated God's ark. The ark then went to Kirjath-Jerim, to the house of Abinadab. And there it remained until David became king. The scriptures record in 1 Chronicles 13, 3, we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. 1 Samuel 7, 3 says, While the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years. You know, Paul tells us in Romans 13 and 1 Timothy 2 that the purpose of human government is that its citizens may uh, live free from evil in the, in the quietness and peace and, uh, and, uh, and uh, godliness and honesty. But how is government supposed to rule righteously when it does not seek Daily, the heart and the mind and the face of Almighty God. They don't seek to the King of kings and the Lord of lords as God directed in Deuteronomy 17. How is righteousness to prevail when we seek not the Lord of righteousness? But when David became king... He took action to bring the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. Our text is a portion of the psalm that David sent to Asaph in 1 Chronicles 16 to celebrate the restoration of the worship of the Lord before the ark in Jerusalem. As Thomas Newberry, we made note that our psalm in our psalm, there are 12 immediate action imperatives, 12 commands. But notice, if you would, the ark was lost to Israel due to sin. It was lost due directly to the sin of a corrupt clergy. Amos, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah, a recurring theme in Scripture is the is the the one of the characteristics of our age as well, the concept of a corrupt clergy. When the ark was restored, when David placed it back into the tabernacle in Jerusalem, it again was in the very heart of Israel. And this is significant. Because in the ark was God's word written on Sinai by the very finger of Almighty God Himself. And above that was the mercy seat where the blood of atonement was sprinkled on the day of atonement. It was on the mercy seat where the Shekinah glory dwelt amidst God's people. It was on the mercy seat where that God dwelt amidst His people. It was where God met with his people. It was where the uh, God by the blood sacrifice was set at one again with his people. The mercy seat pictures Emmanuel, God with us. It pictures Christ. When was the last time that God's presence, when was the last time that God's power was honestly known in our nation? 
When was the last time that God's presence and God's power was known to reside in the house of God? When the ark was restored, we would notice our first command. Psalm 96, picking up 1 and 2. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. We have here three times the command to sing. Sure, it is the command to sing, but latent here is the concept of a strolling minstrel. And I suggest to you that God's people are commanded to go about singing a new song. A new song. We're to put away the junk of the flesh of the world. It points to something that Paul expanded upon over in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking up in verse 17, he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. Old all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or we would see what Isaiah records in chapter 42 Picking up in verse 10, he says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rocks sing. Let them uh, shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto the Lord, and declare his praise in the islands. If we are saved, we are new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away and are to become new. I thank God. When I got saved, I'd already been spinning the devil's music professionally for eight years. When I got saved, our associate pastor came up to me on a Sunday night after church. He said, Russ, he said, did you know there is a Christian station in town? And he gave me the manager's name and address. Two weeks later, I was playing a new song. For the next 16 years, God allowed me to play his music professionally. But we find... We're to sing unto the Lord. We're to sing unto Jehovah, the eternally self-existent one. He reveals himself, and it is Christ who is the fullness of the revelation of Almighty God bodily. Paul tells us over here in Colossians in chapter 2, picking up there in verse 8, and he says there, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We need to watch out what we buy into. We need to watch out what we own into. We need to watch out that we don't get hooked by the philosophy of man. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. But we find again also back in 96 and verse 1, he says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. All of the earth is to sing. Eretz here is earth. It is the, it's the word that is used in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. 
And all of the planet is to sing because all of the planet fell under the curse, but Christ paid the sin debt for all of creation. But the second command is to bless His name. Bless His name. Bless His Barak to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise. We're to sing. We ought to bless. But at least twice Paul instructed congregations he was responsible for in this very matter. Colossians chapter 3, he says there in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Or we see, for example, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us there, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd suggest to you that our failure to be the witness and the testimony that we ought to be for Christ can be laid in two major areas. We're too caught up with the world and we lack a true attitude of gratitude to the Lord for what He's done. Were we thankful to Him? Were we praising Him? Were we edifying one another with the blessings that we accrue to us from being in God's Word? We would be a testimony for our Lord. It would be on our lips for Him. Our third command in verse 2 is to show forth His salvation from day to day. And there show forth is basar, to be fresh, cheerful, to announce glad news, to preach, to publish, to show forth, to tell good tidings. We are to herald the news of salvation daily. Consider with me, if you would, please, a familiar passage to all of us, I am sure. But over there in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, We read, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That word go is part of your It is a command to a simple, continuous action. As we are going about our daily business, as we are going about our daily affairs of life, whether we're going to the work, whether we're going to school, whether we're going to the shops, whether we're going around the corner to the neighbors for a cuppa, as we are going, herald, publish the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, preach, kirixate. That is to preach, to proclaim, to publish, to herald as a public crier. You know, every once in a while, on special occasions, the public crier comes out in Bedworth. He's got his ermine robe, he's got his tricorner hat, He's got his chain. He's got his brass bell. And he gets out there, Oye! Oye! And he's got his scroll. And he reads the proclamation. I don't know if they still do it anymore. But history tells me that there was a time had he been caught deviating for the message, that was his last message because he got deviated about right there. You don't deviate from the message. You don't add to it. You don't take from it. You proclaim it as it is. We have a command. Each regenerate member of each of Christ's congregations, we have a commission, we have a command to publish the Word of God. The night I got saved, I got, I believe, a divine revelation. 
I knew something happened to me. After Charlie Doyle led me to Christ at his kitchen table, I went back to the base that night. If it was alive, if it had two legs, if it was awake, it got witness to. Something happened to me. But I wanted the whole world to know. But I walked into one fire watch's office and I said, I got saved tonight. I want to tell you about Jesus. And as I was talking to him, I reached into my pocket. And out popped the Marlboro man. He said, you proclaim yourself to be a Christian and you do that? I crushed that new pack and dropped it in this bin. I said, not anymore. But that ended it. But I realized God didn't ordain back in Genesis shirt pockets for the Marlboro man. He ordained pockets for our New Testament tracts. They're there because we are to publish the unsearchable riches of Christ. We may not have the opportunity to give them 12 points in a poem like I'm doing, but if you haven't got that opportunity, you can at least give him a gospel tract that will go with him and point him to Christ. One of the things I learned putting the gospel into 249,000 plus doors in Coventry, if it gets in the letterbox, it'll be there. And we've had phone calls four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years down the road wanting to know if we put that in the door and had an opportunity in many cases to go back and to witness and tell them about Christ. You've got a message if you know Christ. You can tell them what happened to you. The Great Commission is not just for the preacher. It's not just for the missionary. It is for each of us who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we continually go about our daily lives, each of us is to publish Christ. Our fourth command is to declare, Psalm 96, 3, declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. Whose glory? Whose wonders? Jehovah God the eternally self-existent one who reveals himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. John tells us over in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul tells us over in Hebrews chapter 1, picking up in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he the appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, then he expressed the image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Some of you may have uh, Mr. Schofield's Bible where it talks about there being the effulgence. That's just Latin for meaning the express image. Paul had in mind John 14 where that the Lord talked about uh, being there and giving them the, the, the glory, manifesting the glory. It is Christ who is the manifest glory of Almighty God. We see, uh, Paul said also in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, picking up there in verse 27, and he said there to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says in Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, when we got saved, we got all of God there was to get, but the question boils down, how much of us? did he get? How much of us 
did he get? Or do we have that little bitty area down deep inside that we've got padlocked behind 14-inch iron doors that says, us only? He can't bless unless he has all of us. He can't bless unless he is King of kings and Lord of lords of every cell in our body. How much of you did he get? He says, declare, 96.3, kafir, to score with a mark, to enumerate, to recount, account, declare, to show forth. It's an accounting term. We are to declare, we are to account for his glory. Glorious kabod, it's weight, honor, and glory. Uh, there is substance there that we are to declare and to account for among the heathen. Goi, the foreign nations, the Gentiles, the heathen. Israel was to be a testimony to the heathen around them, just as we are today. Wonders is Paula. Great, difficult, wonderful, wondrous works. People is Om. As a people, as a congregated unit, a tribe, a flock, a folk, a nation, we're talking here about people bound by cultural considerations. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're not to be looking down our long pointy nose that we're better than they are because we got a relationship with God. No. Christ was meek. And lowly in heart. And we're to model him. We're to put on his Christ likeness. We're to witness as he witnessed. Not with arrogance and pride, but with humility, allowing the Spirit of God to do his work. But we are to be able to tell who Christ is. We are to be able to testify what he has done in our lives. We are to set him apart in our lives. We are to set him on the throne of our lives. He is to be always our number one message to the lost and to every distinct culture group. All men need to know who Christ is. We find the reason in verse 5. Quite simply, we who are regenerate, we are possessed of the truth. He says, they're all the gods of the nations. Again, Om, those people groups divided by culture. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Isaiah records in chapter 42 and verse 5. Isaiah 42, 5. He says, thus saith the Lord... He that created the heavens and stretched them out. He spoke them into existence and, uh, and uh, stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and the spirit to them that walk therein. All that there is, the heavens, the earth, all that we see, the stellar heavens and all that grows from the earth, all that walks upon it. He sustains our breath and He sustains that animating spirit within us. For Isaiah 43.10 tells us there, Ye are my witness, saith the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye might know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, I have saved, I have showed, when there's no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am He. And there's none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? The one who spoke it all into creation is Almighty Jehovah God, He is the eternally present one. 
even before the time was created, He is. After time is gone, He is. Even now, He is. He is the eternally self-existent one. He lives in the eternal present. All that there is. He created the material for it all. And as Pastor pointed out, I think it was this morning, you go and you fashion gold. Well, where did you get the gold to make your idol? God spoke it into existence. But He is the same one who points to our security as well. When He said there in John 10, 29, My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and there is no man able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. Our only real security is in the hand of our very Creator. And it is this one, the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Religions come and go, but there is only one Creator and there is only one Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul testifies of him in Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1, picking up in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And by him all things. Things consist. He created it and He sustains it. Years ago, they wanted to dig up East Texas and put the world's largest super collider underneath East Texas, actually underneath Plano and half the state. But we had an administration that decided that <clears throat> we didn't need to do that. We'll give the technology away. And the French hurried up and said, we'll take it. And so they decided they were going to build the world's biggest super collider, but they decided not to do it in France. They bought a mountain in Switzerland and dug a tunnel. If it went wrong, blame it on the Swiss. And so they put this thing inside this mountain in Switzerland I don't know if you followed it on the news or not, but a couple years ago, they had it built. And they announced the big day. They were going to push the button. And a whole lot of the press was all worried that there was going to be a new black hole in the universe where we used to be. And they said it would begin when they pushed the button. And they had the big day, the big fanfare. It made the headlines on Fox News. They pushed the button and it went boink. And nothing happened. Except Uncle Sam got hit for another trillion dollars to repair the technology the French screwed up. And a couple of years went by. And they were going to rerun the big day all over again. And again, the press was all upset and worried that there's going to be a new black hole in the universe where nothing can exist where we used to be. And they pushed the button and it went boink. And they went begging to Uncle Sam for another trillion dollars. So they got it fixed. <clears throat> they pushed the button a couple months ago and it worked. We're still here. And I see where they're going to push another button come up this week to boost the power. My point is this. We get all upset about the least little threat and we lose focus and we take our eyes off of our sustainer. I got news for you. 
I got news for the French and the Swiss. This planet's not going anywhere without Christ's permission. It's his. He made it. He sustains it. He's not going to let it become a black hole until he fulfills a promise. Our fifth imperative is used three times. And it's the word give. We're to give unto the Lord. We're to give glory and strength. We're to give the glory due unto His name. We are to be faithful in worship and ascribing a praise. But then David kind of modifies that command because the sixth imperative sheds light upon it. In 96.8, he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. And then the next imperative is bring. Bring an offering. And that's followed by then the seventh imperative. And come. Come into His courts. That tells me something very important. David must be a blood relative of the Baptist because it's only biblical Baptists, true Baptists, who say, come into church and bring an offering. But the prime, the primacy of God's house didn't start there. The primacy of God's house didn't start when our Lord called John and Andrew the primacy of God's house began in Eden. And we find it codified in Leviticus 17 when he says we're to come into his house with our offerings. But Paul plays, gives us the text that gives us bearing to us. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, he said, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. We previously saw that we are to encourage one another. We are to exhort one another. We are to edify one another. And it happens in God's house where God's word is preached. Paul, or the, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 27, 17, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. But we find that uh, restoring a brother, encouraging a brother, uplifting a brother, is set forth there in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ that we're to love the brother. Why bother with promise keepers when we already have God's plan? It's called the house of God. Worship is our eighth command. In 96 9, he says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is Kadesh, a sacred place or thing. It is something that's dedicated, consecrated, hallowed. It's the sanctuary. We are to be a peculiar people set apart unto the Lord. We are to come apart, free from the world and worship and worship Him. Worship our Lord, our Creator, our Redeemer. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul further expands on that, and he tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who indwells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19 and 20. We are a peculiar people. Our bodies are a temple, and we are to assemble in service to Him. Our ninth command is to fear before Him. 
Proverbs 3, 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. A proper relationship, a proper reverence of Almighty God is a sanctifying reverence. Isaiah eight thirteen says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Proverbs 9, 10 said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. You know, if our heart is right with the Lord, we don't have to worry about how many days we have. He'll take care of that. But our last command is in 96.10. Say among the heathen, the Lord reigneth. Say is amer. To say, answer, declare, publish, report, speak. Heathen again is goyim, plural, the nations, the Gentiles. Here is the mandate. We are to declare. We are to report. We are to publish among the nations, among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers of this world all around us that our Lord reigns. Reigneth is Malach, to rule, to reign. As I said, this world's not going anywhere. And he does not declare because it is established. Established is kin. To be erect, set up, established, fixed, stable. The world is stabilized in such a way it says that it shall not be moved. Moved is moat. It's not going to waver. It's not going to skip, shake, fall, be cast out of course. I've lost count how many times in 2009 we read in the news about how we had a narrow miss. Some sort of space rock passed within 29,000 miles or 98,000 miles and everybody got all worried. You know, you got more of a chance of getting hit being on the motorway than you do of being hit by something 29,000 miles away. My Lord is able to keep it between the lines. And he does so because of a promise. Our Lord shall judge the people righteously. Judge there is dune to rule. Judge as an umpire. Strive at law. Exact judgment righteously there is mashar, evenness, equity, uprightly. He's got a date. In Jerusalem, on David's throne, where he will rule and he will judge righteously a thousand years. He's not going to abrogate it. We don't have to worry about not being here for at least a thousand years. More precisely, at least a thousand seven. But then in 9613, he says, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Here the word judge is shifat. And it's used twice. The first time it is a simple action. The second it is a simple linear action. He's coming to judge this world system. And that judgment then is individualized for each person. Shaphat is to judge, to pronounce sentence, to punish, to avenge, to condemn. Paul told the congregation at Philippi, the Lord is at hand. James told the congregations to which he wrote in 5, 8, and 9, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. Uh, you hear tonight, you got ought against a brother. You ought not be carrying a grudge. 
You ought not be carrying that unrighteousness between you and another brother. You need to get it right because the judge is at the door. If you're still carrying that junk in your heart, you're going to lose reward. Why not get it right while you still got opportunity? Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. His coming is imminent. He's ringing the phone. Nobody's answering. We've got the wars and rumors of wars. We've got the earthquakes. We've got the famines. We've got the pestilences. We've got the whole nine yards. But rather than getting gloomy about it, we ought to be looking at the platinum lining. He's at the door. All the harbingers are here. All the stuff that's going to blossom and the fruit of settling accounts with the unbelievers is here. He's coming. He's at the door. He could come before we turn the sound system off tonight. Why carry junk in your heart that ruins relationships here and deprives you of rewards there? The end is near. And the world does not know Christ. Why carry iniquity in our hearts? If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. And that means he won't even hear you when you're praying for a lost person. If you've got sin in your heart that severs fellowship. And that do have a bearing on reward. 96.10 say, Among the heathen the Lord reigneth. Declare, answer, publish, report. Paul tells us in Romans 10, and we close with this. Romans 10, 9, he says, If thou should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, he who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Each of us needs to be faithful, heralding the good news as we go about our daily lives. And I submit to you that here in Romans chapter 10, this word, word, is not logos. It's rematos. It is the word that flows forth. It's the word that's to be flowing forth from our lips that we discussed earlier. But the beautiful feet that Paul speaks of belonged to the messengers who carried the decree of Cyrus to the 127 provinces of Persia that the Jews were free to return to Jerusalem and build the house of God. But Paul makes the application to those of us who leave our native shores. Are you here tonight willing to go? And those of you who remain, are you willing to team up and send? Or as William Carey said, will you hold the rope while I go down into the wells of salvation? Either way, the command is ours. 96.3, declare his glory among the heathen and his wonders among all people. Well, all people have not yet heard. Who is there that you frequent that has not yet heard? What are you doing about it?
Who is there to whom you could go that has not yet heard? Are you willing to go? Bethel, are you willing to send? Will you testify? Will you publish? Will you herald as you are going? Father, thank you for your word. But more than that, thank you for the Savior of the word. Thank you for the one who was willing to go, who left the portals of glory, who laid aside the majesty and the riches, who laid aside the honor and the glory, who laid aside the worship of the angelic host to put on human flesh that he might be our substitute, that he might die to pay our debt, that he might die to bear our sin, that he might die to satisfy the demands of holiness and righteousness that we violated. He left that we might live. Father, why then should we who claim to be redeemed fail to tell, to publish, to herald, to go, to send, to bring in that harvest before it's everlastingly too late? Why do we persist in harboring things in our hearts and in our lives that hinder the working of the Spirit of God, that we might be the vessel we would desire to have been when we must give account. Oh, Father, do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our lives. Might we lay aside those things that are going to burn? Lay them aside that we might have the gold and jewels They will abide the fire and be a crown that we can place at the master's feet when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Speak to our hearts tonight. Touch our hearts tonight. Might we yield ourselves unto thee tonight in a way that would be pleasing in thy sight. I'll be careful to give you the praise and the thanks. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.